Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Good morning and welcome to Lagan Valley Vineyard House Church. My name is Laura and I am absolutely thrilled to be here with you this morning. I'm really excited to be in this seat this morning rather than doing announcements. Um, I'm, I'm going to be following on in our Matthew series, but it is so good to have you with us. If you are catching up at another time, it is equally good to have you here with us. Um, and I hope and pray that as we go through this morning that you encounter Jesus and also that we just have a bit of fun together. Um, just before I get into anything serious, how are you getting on with wearing a mask? How are you getting on with wearing a mask consistently, not just like on a one-off? I'm kind of like one of those people that I forget to put my mask on like everywhere I go. So I'm not walking to the shop and I forget to bring it. So I have to go back. So everything takes like twice the amount of time to do anything. I also love how chat about your mask has become like weather chat. It's like the same thing that you talk about everywhere you go. And whoever starts the conversation, you kind of have to side with them. So like... If it's really sunny out and they're like, oh, it's too sunny, you're like, yeah, I know, right? But if they're like, here's sun's amazing, you're like, sun is amazing. It's kind of like that with masks. They're like, masks are ridiculous. And you're like, yeah, they are. Why am I wearing this? Or the people who wear like their mask on one ear. You guys annoy me. Why do you do that? Why do you wear it on one ear? It's not cool. Well, they're all going to look back on it in years to come and be like, why were you that person that wore your mask like that? If you are going to wear a mask, I think we should just agree that you just put the mask on, you put it over your mouth and over your nose, and you just wear it on both those ears. You keep that, keep that on. I think masks and, to- and toilet rolls have been like the real MVP of 2020, because um, we have just all obsessed about them all year. I'm just kidding. The real MVPs have been NHS, yes, or healthcare workers. Um, but yes, why I'm talking about masks is there is a, a lady in our community called Anne Crooks, um, and she is just... The most wonderful woman, if I had to describe Anne in any way, I would say that Anne is complete joy and the most sincere person. Anne has been a part of our renovation team that happened at the start of August. It's a bit warm in here. (laughs) Yeah, she was a part of our um, renovation team that happened at the start of August. We went into a home and we renovated it for a family who were coming out of a shelter and just really um, inspired by what the Compassion team do. Anne really wants to give something to Women's Aid. So Anne is making masks of all different types of shades and colors and patterns and they're really fun just like Anne. So if you want to buy a mask or and if you want to support Women's Aid, that is a really great way for you to be able to do that. It's going to go up on our social media at some point this week, but the link to buy a mask is also in the weekly email. So if you don't get the weekly email, this is a great opportunity for you to do that. You can email me, laura.lagonvalleyvineyard.com, and I will get you signed up to that. We also support and uh, partner with Women's Aid. They are a wonderful charity who we support everything that they do. Um, And it's just great to be able to bless them in whatever way possible. So if you need a mask and you want to support a charity, that's a great way for you to do that. Enough about masks, no more, but if you are wearing one today, wear properly. (laughs) Um, I'm going to be speaking this morning from Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 to 23. Usually what we do is we put this up on the screen and then we encourage you to read it at home. But what I'm going to do this morning is that I am going just to read it through together for us. Um, I just decided to do that, so I'm going to read it. So if you do have a Bible or you want to go and grab a Bible, why don't you go and get one now? And the verse of Scripture for that is Matthew 13, verse 1 to 23. 
This is the parable of the sower. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him, and as he got into the boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. When he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and, when they, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew and choked up the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more. They will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they will have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. You're just going into verse 16 now if you're still reading along. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it and hear what you hear but did not hear it. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. I wanted to read that this morning because a couple of people have said they have been listening back in the car. That is the scripture that we are reading from together. And one of the things that we usually do when we are in our building is that we read the text together. It's so rich that we get to read the Bible together. So um, that is the text that we are gonna be reading from this week. There is so much in this text. There's too much for me to get through. So I could encourage you to go back and meditate on that this week. It'll be really, really good for your soul. The reason why I'm saying this is um, whenever we're teaching, we actually have a time in the week to go through it all with Andy, just to make sure that we're all not talking rubbish and uh, just to make sure that we all feel very comfortable with it. Um, but it's always really, really good. And I, I just got way too into this text it was, I just went too deep and like there were so many theological paths that you could go down and my mind 
was so full. I actually took a couple of days to just sit away from it because I really believe, especially on Sunday mornings, that God really desires for us to understand and know the text. That is a really deep desire in all of our hearts that we would know the text well. And sometimes we can get into it, but it's important to remember that God desires for you and I to understand what he is talking about here. He desires to heal us through the scriptures, for us to live our lives through the scriptures, that that we would become like Jesus because of what we hear in them, that we would understand our holiness and that we would walk in that daily. So if you don't understand everything from that text this morning, that's okay. I am with you. We only need to understand things. We just pray that Jesus would come and that he would give us that understanding. Just as a side note, I think this scripture is really important for where we are as a community. I love that we actually decided to do or to teach Matthew a really long time ago, but I think that this scripture is so apt for where we are. Who are we becoming? Not only as Lagan Valley Vineyard Church, but as individuals, who are we becoming? What are we doing to become the people who are like Jesus in every way of our in every way in our days? If you are just joining with us this morning, this is the first time and you're unsure about what I'm talking about, you can head back from a couple of weeks ago and listen to our senior leadership team's announcement. It will give you a wee bit more context of where we are as a community, what we feel God is saying and how we are moving forward, both practically and as a community of people. Let me pray just before we start. You're like, what do you mean start? We started like 10 minutes ago before I get into the text. Um, Heavenly Father, we just welcome your presence. Father, we, um, we, we just say that there are no bounds to your Holy Spirit right now. Father, as some of us sit in a building, as some of us sit in our homes, as some of us are driving in our car, that whatever time that we are, are listening back, that we know that your Holy Spirit is with us in every moment of every day. So Jesus, we pray that we would soften our hearts to your presence this morning, that we would learn something about who you are and how you invite us to be more like that. Jesus, we just pray that this text would not be one of confusion, but one that just sits in our hearts and invites us to more. That is your desire for us, that we would understand, that we would walk in the text, and that we we would be like that. We just pray these things in your name. Amen. How many of you became professional gardeners over the last couple of months and weeks? Um, gardeners or decorators, and uh, I think B&Q and Amazon were having an absolute field day at the start of lockdown when everyone decided to renovate their entire homes. Um, I'm really glad that I didn't because I think I would have picked really bad colors. Pete is the kind of color expert in our house, and every time I put something together, he's like, why would you put those colors together? I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know why I would do that. I kind of want to see all the really bad paintwork and all the really bad landscapes that everyone tried to do. How much did you learn about gardening in the process of buying all your plants and all of the tools that you needed for that? My mom went wild on her garden. (laughs) Like she bought everything that was in that garden center. And she was teaching me how to look after it all a couple of weeks ago when she was going away. And honestly, it was like like a full-time job taking care of all these plants. At this stage of my life, I really think I just want the finished product of a plant and not the process, if I'm being honest. I don't know a lot about the science of the soil. I think she was starting to tell me that and I just totally tapped out. And she started to tell me about the soil and I am not a garden expert, as I've said. In fact, right now in our house, we live in a tiny house that has no garden. So I don't even have a garden. We have two plants. I'm pretty sure both are dying. Um, So don't come to me for, um, uh, what's the word, advice on gardening. 
But what I did learn from my mum's vegetable patch is that you have to care for everything that is in it. You can't just care for one part of it. You have to care for the soil in order to have any growth. And growth not just for, what? Oh, there we go. No. Sorry. Growth not just for um, the season that you're in, but every season thereafter. Nurturing is a huge part of the process. And what you do in the nurturing stages inevitably affects the future of the soil, the seed and the plant. And when the soil begins to seem unhealthy, it is treated to be made healthy again in order for the environment to produce whatever it needs. I don't know how many times I say on my Instagram stories, like someone putting up, my plant is dead. Does anyone know how I can revive it? Just don't get plants if you're not going to look after them. Get fake ones. Get a fake one. In the analogy of this passage, what Jesus is talking about is that the soil and the, or the ground is your life. That's what he is saying, in case we all get lost in the gardening analogies. The seed is from God, and the fruit is what happens whenever we partner the soil and the seed, i.e. us partnering with God together. So what kind of soil was Jesus referring to? Let's go back to the text. He has four types of ground that he talks about. What I'm gonna do this morning is I'm just gonna briefly explain each of those four things, just in case you get lost like I am a wee bit in my notes, which I always do. There we go, back to it. So there are four types of ground that Jesus refers to, and the first one was the pavement. The seed that fell that was picked up by the birds. Something really strikes me here is that you have, you have to be aware of the seed falling that is on the ground. A hardened heart will not recognize that there's even seed there. Whenever seed falls onto the pavement, it's not, there's nothing even to take it up. It literally just rolls away. It goes away with the rain, or if someone's walking along and it just rolls off. You're unaware that it's even seed. Something about this sentence leads me to think of people who are unaware, unaware that their life isn't even producing or cultivating good soil. They don't even recognize that there is seed falling. And this unawareness will lead your life to be apathetic and quite discontent. You're constantly thinking, why is there no fruit? This is an interesting one for me because here in the Christian world, we always say people who don't know Jesus, they have hardened hearts. And if you're watching this and you don't know Jesus, I don't know if I really believe that that's true. I think that we are all on journeys of that. I am talking this morning about people who um, are on the journey of faith. So if you aren't, I would really love to speak to you, but don't let any of this confuse you because there are lots of different meanings that we can put into this. Sometimes we can be gradually on a relationship building kind of process with Jesus and maybe that is you and that's an incredible thing. I really hope that Jesus speaks to you this morning. There is a possibility though that you have been following Jesus for years and your heart has become hardened. It's become jaded or desensitized by the scripture and even the landscape of the church that we find ourselves in. Not the building, but the church as a whole. You can believe in God and be unfruitful. You can be unaware, untouched and unwilling to see the seed or to make the soil healthy again. The second one that I wanna talk about is the rocky ground not much soil and no depth. Seed fell and sprouted, but it did not last long as the environment could not sustain the goodness of the crop. The way Jesus explains this in the scriptures, he said, the seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. 
When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is where we might fall into hype and trend in the Christian church. I think this one is particularly hard because it's easy to get caught on it. You know, we walk into these, this lovely building uh, and, you know, all churches can be like this. You know, we walk in, we're like, wow, those lights are so cool. Everyone's actually really nice in this church. People always say that, you know, people are actually really nice here. <laughs> you know, we get caught up in how the services make us feel. The worship sounds great and we get excited about what is happening around church. But does my life follow the way of Jesus? Is my life producing fruit from the seed of God? Who you are becoming is just as important, if not more than important than what you are producing. If you focus on who you are becoming, I have no doubt that you will produce good fruit. Rocky ground is really hard to catch yourself in because you hear the word or you come in and you hear the scriptures and you think, oh my goodness, the worship's so good this morning. And we have this response or someone gets up on stage or they tell you a story about compassion or someone getting healed and you really are in agreement with it. You know, you're like, I really agree with that. I think that's amazing. But if you never see fruit like this in your own life, <clears throat> you only hear stories of other people doing it. This is probably a marker that you are on rocky ground. And you know, the thing that really struck me about this was God has so much more for each of us than just observation. And I really believe that that's true. At the start of my journey with Lagan Valley Vineyard, I worked here part-time. Um, I was doing admin. I was also the cleaner for a while. Um, I have, and I'll not say that because it's important to serve. It's very important to do that. Um, but a couple of years in, maybe a year into working here, um, someone came and asked me would I pray for healing for them. And I remember being like, oh my goodness, there's no other, there's no actual staff here. <laughs> um, and she, she was saying, but you work here, can you, can you not pray for me? And I just thought, oh my goodness, this is like one of those moments where I really have to put into practice what I've been learning. And I prayed for her arm, she was having problems with her elbow, and I prayed for her arm. And it got healed. And honestly, I don't know who was more surprised. It was me or her. She's like, that's amazing. I was like, yeah, that really is amazing. And the thing about it is, <laughs> I really hope it's still healed to this day. We kind of had a bit of a funny moment about it. She was like, were you not sure when you were praying? I was like, no, no, no. I, like I was, but I wasn't. But I was, I promise I was. And the thing is that God wants us to have more than just observation. Praying for healing and being a part of the kingdom of God is not for a select few people. It is for every single disciple. We put those hierarchies in place, so therefore we can take them down. I feel that in my late teens and my early 20s, this was me. All hype and no fruit, all joy and no resilience. And my face was dictated by emotions and not the fruit that my life was producing. I was in uni, I was studying theology, I was in ministry training, but the fruit just wasn't there. You might say, don't worry, Laura, you know, you're making good decisions, you were young, don't worry about it. In this story, in the context of this story, Jesus is teaching a lot of people, but a lot of the gospels is him teaching the disciples. And the disciples were not old age. They were quite young. So this leads us to believe that Jesus does not exclude people because of their age. Maturity of faith is not based on your age. It might, you can be any age and have a mature faith and really good fruit. You might lack life experience, but Jesus desires to partner with every person at every age to see his kingdom come. So if you are a young person, if you are a young adult, whatever age you are, or maybe you came to faith really late on in life, 
Jesus desires for all of us to have good soil and to partner with him. Not a life of observation, but a life of participation. A mature or solid faith has created good soil, and good soil is usually marked by intimacy with Jesus. We are going to touch on this one at the very end, but I'm kind of going to bring these two together. They tend to be wise and not cynical, assured and not hyped. So they have assurance in every season. It says in season and out of season, and that's really important for us. In a book called Rooted by Banning, I always say his name wrong. I'm just going to say Banning Leapshire. Is that right? That's right. For you, he says this, for you to bear abundant, enduring fruit, God needs to make you bigger on the inside than what you are on the outside. You have to let him build your root system in secret before he leads you to making a visible impact on the world. He goes on to further say, just in another point in this book, he says he wants to develop his heart-to-heart connection with you to the point where you become fully united with him, where you think like he thinks, you want what he wants, you speak like he speaks, and you do what he does. This is what it means to remain in him. And only when you remain in him will you produce the fruit that lasts. The way Andy describes this, and it's maybe language that we maybe know a wee bit more, is where we do what what God wants happens, and that's really all the kingdom is. Where we act like Jesus, talk like Jesus, and walk in the way. And that is not meant to intimidate us. That's not meant to make us bigger than what we are. God desires for you to be like him. It's important to note that Jesus doesn't just talk about this to produce shame. He's not marking out these four grounds to kind of pinpoint and pick on people. He talks about it to invite us to more. But God's main idea is actually walking us to a place of freedom. And sometimes we need boundaries in order to get to freedom. That good soil and that sacred communion with God frees us to a life of more. It'll move you from observation into actually being in the way of Jesus. And I really mean that. I think that sometimes we can shame each other into doing things, and I don't think that that's right. God never said anything to shame you, but he does say it to invite you, because what God has for your life is good, good things. And I really believe that. I'm also not saying that I'll never be on rocky ground ever again. I probably will. I hope I won't. I hope for my future that I won't be. Life throws us all curveballs, and 2020 is proof of a curveball. That learning to navigate faith and life in difficult seasons is an unexpected life. Just if you find that hard, that doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you absolutely normal. I remember at the start of lockdown, flip me, like I don't think I went a day without crying. It just felt like such an awful experience. To find something difficult does not make you a bad person. It makes you very normal. And good soil is not about a perfect life. It's not about having all of these perfect boundaries in place and doing everything perfectly. And you remember when you meet someone and you're like, you're not that perfect. (laughs) That's a bubble that you're trying to create for yourself. It's okay to find it hard to put all these things in place. That's why we have each other. It's why you have community and church to spur one another on. Jesus says, He doesn't say this, but kind of says this with his scriptures, that show up, even when it hurts, even when you're annoyed and you're disappointed at the decisions that people are making around you. Show up when it's quiet. Show up when you're angry. Show up when you're working through in the private places with him. Just show up. 
Second Corinthians 12, verse 19 says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest on me. Today, I find it difficult to pray. Then just show up. God is your, he wants to break into that. Today, I feel disappointed. God wants to break into that. Today, I feel angry. Today, I feel worried. Today, I feel this. God wants to come into your life to, for his grace to be made perfect in that for you. Leaning on Jesus is a requirement. It is a part of our discipleship. Codependence with Jesus rather than independence with self. The third ground that he talks about is the, the thorny ground. Being consumed by worry and wealth. Hoarding wealth and allowing it to dictate your money decisions. Unhealthy soil produces an ungenerous spirit or giving in the wrong spirit. Jesus is simply, I think, warning us here. He's saying, look, th this is gonna be really hard for you to be able to live in tension with this. To be able to have this freedom, you're probably gonna find this hard. I find that this one has been difficult for this season. Worry and worries of money. We have all been there this year. All of us, no matter how much money you have in your bank, all of us have worried about financial security this year. It has all crossed our minds. And if it hasn't, then good for you. <laughs> That's sounds really sarcastic. Good for you. <laughs> Don't mean it like that at all. I mean, that is actually incredible. Worries about family who are working on the front line. Worries about our jobs. Worries about financial security. We are not here to condemn our thoughts or our worries because we've all had them. But Jesus talks here that hoarding your thoughts of worry and hoarding your wealth will actually hinder you from living a life surrendered and a fruitful life. Again, it's not shame, it's invitation. He's saying, if you worry about this, bring it to me regularly. We don't need to worry about what is ahead. In Proverbs 12, verse 15, it says, anxiety weighs the heart down, but a kind word cheers it up. You'll remember at the start of lockdown, we shared a story about Pauline Hyde writing Psalm 91 on pieces of paper and kind of rolling them up, and she would keep them in the top pocket, pocket of her nurse's uniform. As she cared for patients, some of whom had COVID at the time, as she cared for the people that she worked with. Again, if you don't know Pauline Hyde, Pauline Hyde's like a secret angel. And she'd be like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. But you are Pauline, you're a wonderful person. Walking in truth does not make you fearless, but it makes you walk with hope. Jesus is our ultimate hope. And he says, if I care for the birds of the air and the fish in the sea, you better believe that I'm gonna care for you. My treasured gift, that you are the thing that I made, that I love the most, of course I will care and look after you. Generosity is not about what you have in the bank. Generosity is about who you are. In the season that we're in right now, I, right now, I know so many people have made less money than what they have ever made. If you haven't, again, good for you. <laughs> but some of us, some people in our community have been more generous with their time and their money than ever before. People given to one another in the worst times that our generation might ever see. Volunteering time to deliver to those who were isolating over lockdown and still isolating, giving them their medication and their groceries. Think about that. How beautiful is that? I can't get out but you, a total stranger, would give of your time to make sure that I am well-fed and I have all that I need to be well. That's a beautiful thing. As we checked in on neighbors, 
as pharmacies in our community give away hundreds, if not thousands of pounds in PPE to charities who couldn't get the supply that they needed. As we renovated homes for people coming out of shelters, as we allowed a homeless man to live rent-free for three months over lockdown, who is now safely housed in a home of his own. There have been so many big and small moments of the, of the kingdom breaking through throughout the last six months. And I'm saying them because actually these stories are who we are. They are not about observation, they are about joining in. And if you're hearing them and thinking, I wanna do that, amazing, come and tell us. We wanna be a part of that with you. Generosity is one of those secrets of the kingdom that I think God or Jesus is referring to here. It takes a value that we think we know all about and it turns it on its head. When he says it is better to give than what it is to receive. I see when you hear that, you just think in your spirit, but is it? <laughs> like getting a good gift is so good. But he is saying actually giving that gift is even better. Generous living is a part of the way of the kingdom. It is actually a necessity. It is who Jesus is. And if we are to be like him, then we are to be generous. We see generosity mostly as money because it's actually the thing that we value most. So therefore we think it's the thing that Jesus is always talking about. It's the hardest thing I think we find to give away. But if I give this away, does that mean that I'll not be able to do X, Y, and Z? I would really encourage you to think about how you live life with your money and what it looks like for you to give generously. But I don't just mean money. Maybe money isn't something you feel like you can give away at the minute. And we're not here to judge that decision. Because generosity is a way of life. It's about your time, it's about your skills, it's about your resources. It doesn't always just have to be money. To be a generous person, you can give in a lot of ways. I think this ground is the one that we will all find tension with as we go throughout life. Few people live without worry, especially in this day and age, but Jesus calls us to be intentional. If this is your worry, pray about it regularly. Pray for wisdom, pray for peace, live in to those two things. Just on a side note, I'm not saying that because I think it's really easy. I am naturally a very anxious person. Like I go to bed at the end of the day and I think about everything that I did that day. I worry about everything. Pete worries about nothing. <laughs> like We are just total, total opposites in that. But pray about it regularly. Pray for peace. Pray that anxiety will not fill you. Pray that you will be freed from that. Jesus isn't saying, okay, well then just don't have it. He's saying, walk with me and work with me and let's see how we, do, how we get on with that. The fourth soil that he talks about is good pasture. Healthy soil will bring a harvest of fruitfulness. In order for us to grow the seeds that God is planting in us, we need to provide fertile, healthy ground for those seeds to grow and form proper, properly. Good soil will not, good, without good soil, you will not grow and you will not be fruitful. Fruitfulness is a part of discipleship. It's not like, it's, it's non-negotiable. It's a part of who we are. Excuse me. He says in Matthew 7 that you will know them by their fruit, which means it's actually a requirement as a disciple. So how do we grow good pasture and good soil in our lives? Flip, if I knew that. <laughs> that would be the golden bullet. Unfortunately, it's, I don't know if it's as easy as that, but I do remember, I don't know the exact date that you could find it on, but I do remember Stu doing a great talk about this, about the practices that we have in our life. And I don't know where it is, but it's maybe something that we could put out this week if you're looking some practices to think, how do I actually have that sacred communion? And there are ways that we can do that, but I'm not, I'm not gonna go into that this morning. 
In this same book by Rooted, I've used the same book this week. I did that intentionally because I think it's a really, this book, Rooted, is a really good book if you want to know more about this. It's a really easy read, but it's got like, it just helps you along. Um, and he quotes E.M. Bounds in this where it says, the man, God's man and woman is made in the closet. His life and his profoundest convictions were born in the secret communion with God. Once again, we begin to desire God's kingdom above our own ideas, to think how he thinks, to want what he wants and to do what he does. You will find out where those things are in that secret communion, in that closet, in that place. That's where you need to go. And if, you're, if you find that really hard, I don't know what the answer is other than just to go and do it. I don't. It does require something of you. And I think it's important to say that, that if you want discipleship without requirements like that, then you probably won't get very far. And that seems harsh, but I think it's the truth. That if we want to have fruit and fruit that will last, it requires something of us. But it's so good. It is so good when you're there. I don't think that these types of soil come in steps or chronological order of a person's life. I think they can, but I don't think that that's always the case. So if you're thinking, okay, well, I've done one, two, and three, I must be on four, great. It doesn't work like that. I think it actually, those kind of changes, and sometimes in the seasons of our lives, we maybe are in a really good place, and maybe then sometimes you go back to the rocky ground or, or the thorny ground, and I think that's just constantly something that we are working through. But you can be in a season of fruitfulness for, for years, even months, and then later be hardened and no awareness of seed is even in your life. And that maybe comes through neglect of your faith or maybe you are disappointed. Maybe you've gone through a time of grief. Maybe it's just you're overwhelmed. And what I would say about that is God desires to be with you in every season of your life. Every single season. The moments when you're quiet and you have nothing to say, he's there with you. Just show up, even when it hurts, even when it's hard. Maybe you're like me for a long time, I think years. I think this is probably the first year I haven't been like, okay, it's a formula. If I do X plus Y, I should get said. I should get there. I should have all of that. I don't know if it is really like that. And if you're, pro you're productivity-based, if you're task-based, I don't know. If you'll not just have this and then have the answer. I don't think it's like that, you know, and I, it takes a while to work through that. Recognizing truthfully where you are is going to be your greatest invitation. You know, sometimes when we're like, oh, that's a really good word, but I just worry, it's just who I am, and that's that. That pride will leave you there. It will make you stay there. Recognizing truthfully where you are is going to be your greatest invitation. If you're in a time, if you're not in a time of fruitfulness, one of the good things about this is that you might be in a time of preparation. If you're doing all those things, you know, if you're like, I'm in the secret communion of God and I'm doing that and I'm really enjoying it, it's really good, but I haven't yet got to the fruitfulness, I wouldn't worry about that. Don't worry about the fruit. Worry about the ground. Worry about how that looks in your life, about who you are becoming in that space because God might have you in a time of preparation and what is about to come is going to be great. I'm gonna share a story at the end, quite excited to share it, that's really, really gonna head home to this because sometimes we don't actually see the fruit of what we have done, maybe even until after our lifetime. It's not very encouraging. <laughs> it is for the future. It is for the future. We really believe as a church that this is where we are. On Wednesday night, Ian Toll gave us a word for this season. And I just loved it. He talked about how 
you cannot go around where we are right now. We have to go through. We just have to go through it. But what we learn in this season is going to give us authority for what we need next. Because if God is saying right now, I'm preparing you for something, then something good's coming. It is coming. And in order to be in this season, you cannot neglect it. You just have to be in it. And this is where we are. And I know that not being here in this room is disappointing. I know that. It's hard. I, I, like we look out here and there's what, 20 people in this room. I would love for you to be here. We're not doing it as like a punishment. We believe that this is where God has us. And if we all sit in this together, not High School Musical, if we actually all sit in this place together, what God prepares in each of us, that whatever you have, we need for this season. Whatever you're carrying, we need for this season and the next season. We must go through it together, even if you find it hard. And we've said this, come and talk about it. Come and talk about it. Don't let that disappointment sit in you because it'll turn to bitterness. If we talk about it, it frees it. And that's a really important thing. Again, if you're unsure where to start, just show up. Show up for five minutes in the morning. Do three, two, one questions. Or pick up a devotion. Or pick up the phone to a friend and say, can you encourage me in my face? I just need a wee bit of extra of that. Um, that'll, that'll be really good for you to do that. We've created a couple of really great ways for you to engage with this. And I would really encourage you to sign up to one of the foundation courses because it will be good for you to do that, just to be in that space where you're talking about your faith with other people and we are leaning in together and we're going somewhere together that you will really enjoy that. I don't believe that this community has all the answers. <laughs> I would love that if we did. But I think that one of the things that I love the most about Lagan Valley Vineyard is the desire to see the kingdom come. And see whenever you're in, like, in that place where you're hearing stories about it happening, it is just amazing that the delight of God just rests on each of us. And when we step into that, he has so many good things for us. I'm gonna end with um, a story. And one of the things that really gripped me this week um, was, I don't know why I went and looked it up because I've never really looked it up before, was the story of the 1859 revival in North Antrim. And I love it because this is our heritage. This is who we are. This is a story about something that's like, where's, like how many miles away is Ballymena? Like 30? Is that right? 30, we'll go for 30. I love this story because this is a part of the fruit of our legacy that where we stand today actually comes from this story. I think the people of this story really reflect the scripture that we've just walked through. People who dedicated their lives to finding the good fruit, the secret communion. And we continue on from this story. God has left this seed in the soil of our land for us to continue to grow it. It is our responsibility to carry this on, that this is our invitation. This happened in our land and that this is who we are. We live in the legacy of this and we have the opportunity to carry it on. It started in the spring of 1856. That sounds like a class song. I'll not sing. It started in the spring of 1856. A lady by the name of Mrs. Colville came to Ballymena from Gateshead, somewhere in England, because this is a quote from her. She had time and money to spend for God. She was investing in the right things. She began her ministry by house-to-house -house evangelism. For all of us newbies out there, house-to-house -house evangelism really is just going door-to-door. -door. You'll knock on the door and say, do you want to know more about Jesus? And if they say yes, they come on in. If they say no, you just go to the next door. 
That's what she meant. She literally went door to door. Mrs. Colville returned to her home in England in November, so she had been here for six or seven months. She returned to England in really low spirits, thinking that God had not acknowledged her labors and feeling that her work had been unfruitful. Days before Mrs. Colville left for home, she visited a lady called Miss Brown who lived on Mill Street in Ballymena. When Mrs. Colville called, there were three people chatting in the home. One was Miss Brown, one was a friend of theirs, and one was a young man called James McQuilkin. When she entered the home, the three were discussing predestination and free will. What chat? <laughs> so casual. And when they asked her what she thought, she did not answer the question. She redirected it to talk to the group about the importance of seeking a personal interest in Jesus and what it means to truly follow him in your life. What she had to say about this, what she had to say about Jesus left a really profound impression spiritually upon James McQuilkin. And such a short time afterwards, he became a follower of Jesus that in that house, the Holy Spirit fell as she walked out in faith and it landed on this guy called James McQuilkin. James became one of the most significant people in the 1859 revival in Ulster. And she had no idea. You might have no idea what might happen with the fruit that you bring into your life. James and some of his friends who, have also, who also decided to follow Jesus dedicated their free time and their lives to reading the scriptures and learning the way of Jesus. It was said that they got together and would meet weekly for a prayer meeting, quote by them, to seek God's blessings for their town. They met in an old schoolhouse near Kells. In the year of 1857, James and his friends would meet weekly for prayer meetings and people would, or they would meet to pray for people by name in their town, and they would pray for nearby towns. They would pray that these people and these places would be touched by the Holy Spirit, and that they would, and actually what happened was, they began to see the people who they were praying for come to know Jesus. It says that in the scriptures, when you devote yourself to do this, when you give away, when you sell what you have, you will be added to, it will be added weekly to their number. And one of these people was a guy called Samuel Campbell. Samuel was a guy from a hockle. <laughs> what a place. He left Kells and went back home to tell his family about Jesus. So he went from Balamina to a hockle because he had met Jesus and he wanted his family to know. His family came to know Jesus apart from one person in his family who was his brother. And one day he thought, I'm gonna go tell him again. I'm just, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna tell him. And the day that he told him, Samuel and a lot of his friends were having um, a shoot. They were at a shootout, which means you just go to a field and you shoot clays, I think. Isn't that the right word? And he would shoot clays. And he went there and what he did is that he went up to him whenever he was shooting and he just told him about Jesus in the middle of this field. And it said that Samuel experienced the Holy Spirit for days. For days, and he became a Christian a couple of days later. If we think that we need this building in order for people to know Jesus, then that, that's just not the truth. It is just not the truth. We have this opportunity to go wherever Jesus is, which is everywhere, to invite people into this place. These kinds of stories continued all year. And in the March 
for, on March 14th, 1859, a minister who had been then partnering with these guys all over to kind of bring the word, they decided to hold a church service in a building that had, for, had room for 1,400 people. 3,000 people showed up to this service. They not only met in the building, but there wasn't enough room, so they had to go out onto the streets. They didn't have live streaming. They didn't have cameras. What they did was is that each person who had met Jesus then went and told other people on the streets. So they just kind of divided themselves up. And as it rained and it poured, they told people about Jesus. And it was said that people fell to their knees, crying out to Jesus that they would know him. What started as one woman committed to the seed that God had planted in her to go and tell the people of Northern Ireland about the gospel, moved from one person to another, moved from one town to the next. It was said that both Ahokal and Balamina experienced incredible favor and blessing for years after. I wonder how many of our families or the people who told you about Jesus actually came from that lineage. We live in the fruit of that legacy and we have the invitation to carry it on. Very rarely is anything in this story focused on the building. It was always focused on the people. Jesus' focus is always people, always people. How incredible would it be if in a hundred years time, someone got up and told the story about the incredible blessing that was poured out in Northern Ireland in 2020 because of the fervent prayers, the passion of the people, the generosity of spirit, and the fruit of the season that no one saw coming, that it was possible to have so much good fruit from such a terrible year. Can I invite the band to come up? In the scripture, it says that a good crop will have 60, 30 to 100 times more than what you thought. That's what happened to Mrs. Coville. I bet in her wildest dreams, if she had said, I'd love for 3,000 people in Northern Ireland to hear about the gospel of Jesus, she would never have thought it was possible. She thought she was just doing door to door. And the question that God asks us, I really feel that he's asking us is, what can you do to have better soil in your life? Because who you are becoming is really important to not only your story, but to the whole story of Jesus. What kind of seeds is God planting in you and how are you living a life that allows the kingdom to thrive? I love in that story, the way it says that people not only met Jesus, but actually the whole places of Ahokal and Balamina experienced incredible favor. I would love to know the hundreds, if not thousands of stories that came from that time that we will never know about. And that's okay, because they are, Jesus knows them, God knows them. He is very aware of what happened in that time. What we love and what we would long to see happen is like God might be planting a seed in your life about foster care. And that might be something you really feel like you're not like maybe in the right time for. Maybe you need to create the good soil for that to become um, a, a dream because that seed is something that God wants to flourish in your life. Maybe God's talking to you about business. Maybe you would love to see business thrive in, in Lisbon. Someone who does this really well, and she's not even in business, is Julie Hoey. Julie Hoey is 
passionate about the place of Lisbon. And she never stops telling people about the good things that are happening in Lisbon. God planted that seed in her and she makes the intention to go out and to shout from the rooftops about Lisbon. And it's great. And there will be fruit from that, fruit that maybe we don't even know. Maybe God is making you passionate about telling young people about the person who Jesus is. That seed will not come to fruition until you walk out in it, until you stop observing and start participating. That's what God has for each of us and He desires for you to have it. We're gonna go into a time of worship now. I'm gonna pray if you're in your home, if you're driving in the car, wherever you are, I'm gonna pray that Jesus would come and He would speak to us. Heavenly Father, I just... Father, we thank you for your scripture. Father, we thank you that it is a light onto our path. Father, I thank you that it is there to lead us to freedom, to lead us into life. Jesus, I pray for the story of Mrs. Colville. Father, I thank you that the fruit of her season is still enduring. Father, I thank you for that. I pray that the seeds of that story and of that legacy would just be birthed in each of us right now, that we would become passionate about seeing the kingdom of God show up in each of our lives and in the towns that we live in, that we would be so passionate about it, that we would wake up early and pray for it, that we would pray for the streets that people live on, that they would come to know you and that we would see the incredible blessing of your kingdom pour out over the whole of Lagan Valley. And Jesus, I just pray against that mindset that it's everybody else who gets to play and not me. Jesus, I rebuke that spirit right now. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus because Jesus has good and wonderful plans for each person because discipleship requires us to lean on Jesus and it actually calls us to good fruit. So Father, I pray that you would break down those lies in people's lives. They're not good enough for your kingdom that that is just not true. We break off those lies right now in the name of Jesus and we accept the invitation to walk out into who we are, that we are holy people and that you have more for us than what we could ever possibly think or imagine. And that is the truth. Come Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence.